Hello and welcome to Automators, the automation podcast where we make your computers do your bidding for you, including with your voice. I'm Rose Mirotic and joined as always by David Sparks. Hey, David, how are you? Great, Rose. I am uh, really happy today. We've got a guest on the show that I always love to have on the Automators, the the uh, the alpha automator, Sal Segoyan. Welcome back to the Automators. Oh my goodness. It is so wonderful to be back with you too. Yeah. I so enjoy this show and I enjoy your audience and their goals in life. Yes. We want to automate. And Sal, um, for folks who don't know, worked at Apple for many years. Uh, uh, he is an amazing guitarist, which I never talk about, but what, you went to Berkeley, right, Sal? Yes, I actually am one of the few people who graduated from the Berkeley College of Music in Boston. That's me. Oh, why is it uh, unique that you graduated? What, do people get gigs and just head out at some point? Uh, well, uh, while I was there, a lot of my classmates, the better ones, would get uh, kidnapped by bands that would come through. Sure. So they'd get a couple uh, right. of years into the program and then disappear and go off into fame and fortune. Yeah, well, you know. But the uh, but anyway, I, I always like to talk about that because you were just uh, supremely talented. I'll, I'll never forget one time riding down the escalator at MacWorld and saying, what is that music? And it was you down there playing a guitar. You were playing the bass line and the guitar line at the same time on one instrument. And I'm just like, man, this guy, this guy is something else. But it, either way. Showing uh, off. Yeah. <laughs> uh, either way. So, but but at Apple, your job wasn't to play the guitar. Um, you worked extensively. I don't remember what was your exact title, but I know you were the, the grand poobah of automation, whatever that <laughs> meant, right? Actually, I was the product manager of automation technologies at Apple. Yeah. But I, part of my job was playing the guitar. I happened to, of course, hang out with the guys that were running the music software, and I would often bring in my MIDI guitar and plug in and show them what I wanted the uh, recordings to be able to do. Oh, and really? I would try to get features put in to the software <laughs> based on my own personal needs. They were really accommodating and great folks. That's awesome. And, you know, really, you were, I mean, because I remember you and I first met, it had to be over 10 years ago now. I took your class when you you gave the, the two-day uh, Apple Script oh, Intensive at Macworld. But but you were telling us that even back then, um, how you would go to the different um, departments like the iWork team and the different teams mm -hmm. and advocate for automation. And the reason why we would get automation on all these apps a lot of times was Sal over there banging on doors and asking for help. Yeah, I would actually uh, move into a division. I, I like the iTunes people. I would go over to their building and uh, just hang out. And then the next thing you know, I'd grab a desk and I would sit there and start looking at their workflows and seeing what the issues were and trying to help them with automation. And once they started understanding automation from the inside, then they were more agreeable to adding it to what they were working on. And the iTunes folks were always very supportive. And on occasion, they would send me on missions like we went to uh, a, mi a mixing studio in New York once. It was very famous. And they were trying to automate the process of uh, ex exporting their data into a format for uh, iTunes. And I automated that process while being there. And we shipped a, a set of scripts that are still being used by Apple today to 
automatically convert the data format you have to a higher level that they use. And the same with retail. I often spent a lot of time down there on Banley, hanging out with the retail folks, finding their issues and getting them involved with automation. And the same with engineering and all the different groups at Apple. I considered it my job to be out with the rest of the company as much as within my own world of, you know, OS product marketing. That's kind of fascinating because I've always felt like with respect to our audience, all Rose and I really need to do is expose people to this. Like when we do hmm. these episodes, if somebody, we, we release the episodes on Friday and the thinking is that you'll listen to the show and then over the weekend you got some free time. Maybe you'll try and build one of the automations we talk about. And I, I really feel like if you just build one and it works, suddenly you get it. And before you hmm. know it, you've got, you're an automator, you know? So you did the same thing in the company. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, I experienced the same kind of thing when I listened to your show, too. Usually during the course of, of one of your episodes, you and Rose will come up with some clever thing that I hadn't thought of, and it sticks in my mind. And then, you know, during the week, when I get a moment or two, I'll sit down and explore the concepts that you brought up. And on more than one occasion, I, I've come up with whole approaches to enhance the automation that I do based on ideas that you guys just brought up in your podcast. So it is really fertile ground what you're doing and it does trigger that kind of imagination in people. Yeah, I sure hope so. Boy, if we can inspire Sal Segoyan, then we're doing it right. Mm -hmm. I'll take that. I mean, yeah. I love it whenever we get a guest on and then they just completely inspire me and everything that we're doing. And that that is one of the reasons why I love having guests on. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to go away from today's episode. I know with a thousand and one ideas of things to do. Um, so <laughs> it's it's great when, you know, it's great that to hear from somebody who listens that that's that's what happens as well. Sal, before we get into, because I, I want to talk about Omni Automation, which is your the thing you've been working on so hard lately, but I just want to do a little bit more history. I have a question for you that I've never asked you before. Now, you <laughs> are, you, I mean, you taught me AppleScript, what I, what, what I know of it. Um, you've written a great book called AppleScript 123, and you, like, are writing scripts for recording studios and retail and, and publishing houses. Uh, were, mm -hmm. were you at Apple uh, when Apple Script first came into being, or you came to Apple our, when it was already there? Correct. Uh, yes, I first found Apple Script in 1993 on a developer CD. I had, I'd seen this natural language that controls applications and stuff, right? And I was working at a print service bureau. I had an office doing custom design work, and I was heavily into. Quark Express and extensions. And I would develop, help uh, companies develop Quark extensions for publishing. And there was quite a few that I, I came up with and worked on, one of which was uh, uh, Shadowcaster uh, by Lowly Apprentice. Uh, basically took that and it would do uh, drop shadow from text over images and melt it into the image. And once that came out, that really changed some ideas. But I was found AppleScript there. And the first time I tried it, it was like late at night after work. And I'm sitting there going, it says, okay, there's this dictionary and it contains all these different things. So I looked at the dictionary. Oh, there's a box. Okay. And this does this. And it says, you know, you should be able to just write a, a sentence and it works. And the first 
script I ever wrote was set the color of the current box to blue. And once I ran that and the color of the box changed, uh, it changed my life. So I immediately dropped all the clients I had and I started working for like three months straight around the clock on understanding this concept of automation. And uh, I started developing automations for companies and I kept hearing from more and more companies from around the world about needing stuff. You know, I wrote a script for AT&T once that found all the instances of AT&T and, and set the font and the kerning for the ampersand and changed the color to the official blue. Uh, I wrote scripts for better homes and gardens to do fractions in, in their recipes. And I started following this and eventually... Uh, focused heavily on the desktop publishing that was about to take off, where you had a data source and you had a layout program and you used tag container publishing. You would tag each one of the containers with a unique identifier, like an MLS number or something like that, and then run a script that automatically would go to the data source, pull out the relevant stuff, put it in and format it. And that just took off. And my whole career took off and started writing books and magazines about that. And then Apple saw me and they asked me to join. And that was back in 97. So I got to Apple in January of 97, which was about four years after they had started and dropped AppleScript. They introduced it and immediately forgot about it. <laughs> yeah. But you know, somebody told me once, I'm going to, I'm going to toot your horn for you. Uh, an insider at Apple once told me, uh, you know how Apple survived the nineties. And I said, how? And he said, Sal Segoyan. He said, Sal was writing these scripts for these publishing houses. They were so tied to the Apple platform because of all his scripts that they had to buy Apple hardware. And at the time, whenever it, when the company was circling the drain, what kept the lights on was the hardware that Sal was selling. Somebody told me about that, about you once. I've never shared that with you. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, let's see. That narrows it down to some people I have yeah. to look at. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I, I do think that Apple enthusiasts, we all are thankful for all the hard work you've done because you really did carry the torch for automation for a lot of years when Apple wasn't, you know, really super aggressive about it. You know, you, uh, right. you, you had to like really go out and advocate for it. And then the other thing you did to, to further tell you how much we all love you is you came up with other people. I know this, this Lego paradigm for automator, which, um, mm -hmm. has now become the de facto paradigm, you know, build a stack of triggers and actions mm -hmm. and anybody can make an automation. We saw it later in Workflow, which became Shortcuts. We see it in Hazel. I mean, uh, we see it in Keyboard Maestro. All uh -huh. these apps out there are using this this stack of action. Uh, Component stuff. automation. Yeah. And, uh, yes. and you were there at the beginning. It was uh, one of those rare moments in, in Apple history. It was a confluence of a, a bunch of very creative people who just happened to have a spark together. It was Eric Payton and Tim Bumgarner, Todd Fernandez and me, and uh, Chris Nebel and, and everybody who was around the automation team. 
we, we merged two ideas. Eric was working on a pipeline architecture for the command line, and Tim was working with a pipeline architecture for AppleScript. And the two got together, and it was just, it took over, and it was pretty amazing. Uh, and we just kept pushing it and pushing it and pushing it, but we were taking it around to different uh, executives in the company trying to get buy-in, and uh, all of them were amazed by it, but nobody wanted to take ownership. And it wasn't until like uh, a Friday afternoon before WWDC when I parked on the floor outside in the hallway outside of the demo room over in building three where Steve was reviewing stuff. And I wouldn't move until they let me in to see Steve. And it was like five o'clock at the end of the day. And SJ said something like, is, is that all there is? And somebody said, uh, you know, Sal's out in the hallway. He's got something. And so I went in, I sat down with him at a iMac and I showed him automator, our concept. And it was absolutely amazing. I was like 10 seconds into the demo. It was the same demo I in, ended up doing on stage where you, you would go to a website with thumbnails. It would find the larger image, download them, import them into iPhoto, then make a DVD with those imported images. And I'm, I'm sitting there showing Steve this, and I'm about 10 seconds into the demo, and Steve goes, stop. And I thought to myself, oh, my God, there's like a year and a half worth of work. And that was it. I got Shot 10, down seconds, in 10 right? seconds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When he go, and then he sits here and he, he starts saying, okay, you're doing this because of blah. And then you're probably going horizontal because of this and this. And he is, and then, and then and he's, and I'm, I'm listening to him analyze everything that, that's on the screen. And he's figured it out. And he turns to me and he says, okay, these things, what do you call these? I said, actions. And he goes, what are they? I said, they're Xcode projects. And he goes, so you're down into whatever kind of code base that we're working with. And I said, yeah. And he goes, so it's code independent. I said, yes, it works with anything that's in the operating. And he just like hit me with these questions. And then he goes, okay, go. And so I continued on with the demo. And during the demo, Steve said, impressive. And I had been in the room with SJ many times when there was product review. And trust me, the word impressive never came up. And he 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 totally got it. It was some it was absolutely stunning. And then at the end he turns around and he looks at all the other executives in the room and he says, So what's the question? And it's total silence, right? Nobody's answering. And uh, one of the executives in the back, I think it was Tony Trujillo, says, I don't know, but that's the answer. <laughs> and then Steve, you know, totally got it. And he turned to me and he says, you want to be in the show? And I said, sure, I'll show this off. And, you know, then I had to move up to uh, San Francisco for a week and uh, become part of the Steve show for a week before I could actually show it off. But that's how it was born. All the work from all those guys came together in that moment, and Steve saw it and made it part of the operating system. All because you were willing to park your butt on the floor outside the demo room. Well, I just felt like it was absolutely my job to represent the talent that had been gifted to us by those guys. And I wasn't going to let that go until you know Steve saw it. 
If Steve had said no, okay, I tried. But I he had to be able to see it. And that was my job. And my job was to get in front of them. And we did. And the rest is history now. Yeah. And there's a lot of history there. I mean, it, it's the beginning of component automation, which has this now. I mean, all these children and grandchildren and these new products that have come out since then, which I think were largely inspired by that. So again, that's kind of awesome. We did our job. We, yeah. we laid the groundwork, proved the concept, and uh, you know, Ari and the guys have taken it and they've run with it. Now it's so part of Apple's core with everything that we're going to have automation forever. It's not going to go away anymore. This episode of Automators is brought to you by Electric. When leading a small business, it's not all glamour. In fact, sometimes it's a matter of spending hours trying to find a laptop lost in the mail for a new hire or dealing with some other technical emergency, which you're well equipped to deal with, but maybe you don't have the time. The team over at Electric No Small Businesses may be like yours face these challenges. That's why they've solved this problem for you by operating as your IT department. Instead of spending your time sorting through unused application licenses, setting up employee laptops, and answering never-ending IT questions from your team, you can build that empire. With Electric acting as your IT department, you can get back to what you're good at. Plus, you get a really cool IT platform to see and manage everything. One of the most important management skills that you can learn is knowing when to give that task to somebody else to do, whether it's because they need to skill up or are just interested in a new task, or maybe it's because there are better things that you could and should be doing with your time. I have to say, there's been a couple of times in my career that I would have loved something like Electric. And quite frankly, even if it's just because one more password reset request is frustrating you, then, you know, it's worth handing that off to somebody else who's going to deal with all of it for you. You should go and check out Electric if you're working as your own AT department and doing your job as well. For Automators listeners, Electric are offering a free pair of Beats Solo 3 headphones for taking a qualified meeting. Just go to electric.ai slash automators. That's electric.ai slash automators. Go there now to get your free pair of Beats Solo 3 headphones today for scheduling a meeting. Our thanks to Electric for their support of this show. So Sal, um, since you left Apple, the shortcuts has really come to the forefront and uh, that must make you really happy. Oh, it's a uh, uh, tremendously gratifying to know that the team that's working on that now are just so inspiring and they're really creative and they totally get it. And I'm very confident in their abilities to take that technology and keep moving it forward. And I think we've already seen some of the adoption that's coming up by the customer base that is embracing this whole thing. Have you seen that yourself in in publications and podcasts, how people are adopting shortcuts all the time? Hand to heart, over the weekend, my wife said, I think I need to learn about shortcuts. (laughs) (laughs) she She was doing something with her work where she had to go to these two websites every day. And she's like, it's such a pain. I'm like, oh, you could just write a little shortcut script and it would open it in Safari for you. And she's like, okay, it's time for me to learn about shortcuts. And I said, well, I I happen to have a field guide you could watch. And she's like, well, is there anybody other than you that could teach me about it? (laughs) I mean, you know, because your spouse, your spouse really doesn't want you to be lecturing them. That's very humbling, David, yeah, isn't I it? I know. She, she's a big fan of Don McAllister. I see, I see, you know, because we've had dinner with Don and she likes, yep. his, she likes his Liverpool accent. 
You know, I said, well, maybe Dawn has covered it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that uh, that is pretty impressive. I'm 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 just going with the gorilla tactic with my parents. They have shortcuts on their phone, which are home screen apps, or so they think, um, and they're shortcuts. And every so often, they ask wow. me, "Hey, can you find another one like this that does this sort of thing?" Yeah. Because <laughs> like their blood pressure monitor isn't a smart one. So whenever they take their blood pressure, they tap the app on their phone, which pops up and asks in the data and puts it in the health app. Um, so yeah, uh, they, they asked me for one for, I think it was blood oxygen the other day. It's like, sure. That'll take me about half a second done. Very clever. Very clever, Rosemary. Well, I think that's the thing, you know, after shortcuts went viral with customized home screens, you know, even if all those people are doing and uh, literally all most mm -hmm. of them are doing, it's just an open app action. The fact that they've gone in and poked around inside of the app is great. And I think especially combined with the um, shortcuts from app section in iOS 16, which will display at the bottom of the folders list, um, you know, I think more and more people are going to find cool things in shortcuts that they they hadn't thought about before, just because you know, it, it's going to be easier to discover things. I think previously with things being hidden in the gallery, only they didn't always show up and they weren't that consistent and things like mm -hmm. that. It was it was difficult and less discoverable. And that's not um, a knock on the, the shortcuts, folks. You know, they had limitations, I'm sure. And also, you have to start with something. You can't iterate from nothing. Um, right. And I, I just love the way that this is progressing. Um, and, you know, the fact that we're seeing more and more easy ways, both for the developers and the end users. That's the whole thing is, is you have to make it so that people can use it easily and benefit from it. And once they see the benefit of automation, it's, it's just a natural thing that people want to automate. Yeah. And, and it doesn't have to be super difficult. I think that's one mistake as people trying to teach about this, we can make is starting too complex. I mean, Mm -hmm. uh, some of my best automation is somebody who has like 600 of these things installed on my on my devices but some of my best ones are like you know two to four steps they they don't need to be super long and and obviously those exactly. are the, those are the ones you don't ever have to debug and they just they yeah. just seem to work forever yeah but those are the ones that also become such an ingrained part of what you do that you don't even think about it anymore, that yeah. that's an automation. It just becomes part of your workflow. Yeah, yeah, that's just it. You know, like I tap on this icon and then it pops up at, a, you know, a menu asking me to choose the registration plate of the car, or the license plate. And then mm -hmm. I choose one and then it opens up the text message, which then is ready for me to send. It doesn't send it automatically because this is actually one from my mom, which allows her to easily pay for parking at the train station by text because there is no app for parking at that train station. But you can send an SMS and pay for parking that way. Um, wow. And because, you know, you've pre-registered your card with your phone number or if it isn't registered, they'll call you and sort that out. But then you just send a text message and it has to have, you know, the registration plate in and some other information. The other information is just hard coded. And uh, so my dad got a new car and my mom was like, oh, how do I change that? And it's like, OK, well, we just open this and we change that there and that's it. Um, right. And, you know, and and it was literally just a we'll delete, you know, backspace um, on the, the item in the list um, for the old one and, and type in the new one. And that's it. We're done. Um, and she was really pleased that it was so simple and has started asking for more and more things, um, ah. which is, you know, of course, what, what you want when you're trying to introduce people to automation. So do you get good daughter points for all of this? 
<laughs> of course, though, last week it ended up with me taking apart a battery-powered fan of her going, hey, this is broken, can you fix this? And then they're going, I'm more of a software than a hardware person, but sure, I'll take a look. So, uh, <laughs> Yeah, but, but Rose could fix it in a way that when you turn it on, the blinds go down in her house or something, right? <laughs> I mean, you know? it was a battery-powered fan, but I'd like to report that I did successfully take it apart and put it back together, and it now works better than it did before because one of the cables was kind of, like, trapped or something, and so I just strained out, and that, that solves it. I considered trying to wire it into a home automation setup, but it's a battery-powered desk fan, so she moves around too much. <laughs> Sal, I, I've always been curious. Now that Shortcuts is out, it's on all these devices, are there two or three shortcuts that you find that you've built that you use routinely? Oh, I'm a horrible example. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm constantly working on automations that I don't use. Uh, the, the things that I do automate the most are the procedural things that help me develop uh, other automations. For sure. example, uh, every time that on the Omni Automation website that you see a script example that you can click and it will copy to the clipboard or automatically run for you on your machine. That's a lot of stuff that goes behind the scenes to make that so easy. And I have a bunch of automations that I run to do that. Uh, I also have, especially with the new uh, voice control stuff, I have a lot of automations that create the uh, files that are used by that and that's really where I do most of my automation. As far as automating my life, my personal life, I don't do much of that at all. I really am all about it, developing the tool side of it. I'm kind of like the cobbler who, you know, his kids don't have any shoes. <laughs> no, you know, it, it makes sense, though, because like if you were a newspaper publisher, uh, your automations would be about publishing newspapers, but you are an automation developer. So your right. automations are about developing automation. That's yes. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I think, and I think that's kind of the the thread of all this. Like, you know, there are people listening to this that have all sorts of walks of life. I got an email from a contractor um, recently who, listening to our show, he has now developed a bunch of shortcuts automations to automate his bid um, practice because he found mm -hmm. he was making mistakes. Because you know, we talked about on the show once that you know automation is great because it's fast, but it's also always accurate. And if you're making a bid for a contract and you move a decimal point, right. you're out of business. Ooh. You know, so right. So he used he he picked up on that thread and wrote all automation, so his bids are always exactly right. And he wasn't even interested in making it fast. He was just making sure there was never a mistake. There you go consistency, accuracy, speed. Yeah. All of those things come from automation. Yeah. And I think that is really the beauty of it. You know, there's so many little things that you can do with a tiny little app icon on your phone or, you know, your voice, which really just brings everything together. Do you, do you use uh, shortcuts more on your Mac, your iPhone or your iPad? Hmm. <laughs> uh, since I'm working uh, so much on with, uh, the voice control, I do it on all of the devices evenly because I want to make sure that it's all working across. So most of the shortcuts I do start with the Mac and they're stored there. Yeah. Uh, but they exist on all of my devices, my iPad, my phone. 
I make sure that they're they're all working cross thing. And the beauty of having those uh, omni automation actions as part of the default set of actions with omni applications, having the ability to run a script directly into the application through those shortcuts, it makes them so valuable that I, I use them quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can tell you for me, there's no question I do it more on the Mac than anything else because I'm just so comfortable with the keyboard for writing shortcut text. You know, shortcut text, you got to get it right, you know, and um, mm. and then I don't like the, that's one thing. Every time I see anybody from the shortcut team, I say, man, make the text field bigger on the on the phone <laughs> yes. that I've had. Or, yes. Or make it so you can just click it and it takes over the text input yeah. yes. field. But that that would be pretty awesome. I'm still using the uh, good old I'll stick it in drafts. I have a dedicated drafts tag ah. or um shortcuts text. Yeah. Um the only problem with that is of course um you you can't put variables in there, but a lot of the time um you know I'll want to put the same variable in multiple places. So I'll use the dictionary approach and re- mm. repeat through the dictionary keys ah, um, and replace smart. my dictionary keys yeah. with my variables because that mm. that means that I can have amazingly long text in drafts, which of course I can edit anywhere, anytime. Mm. Um, and then it's just available on all of my devices, which works really well. So see, yeah. Rose just took up my next week. Yeah. <laughs> she does there that. There we go. She does that. So I, I consider it an accomplishment when I've done that. <laughs> Sometimes she does it to me with just a picture. She'll like text message me a picture of some little automation gizmo. And she won't even like give me a link or anything. She'll just send me a picture of it. And then there goes my next week, you know? Thanks, okay. Rose. So I shouldn't be sending you the picture of the new robot mop vacuum that I got then, David. No, you absolutely Ooh. should. I want all the pictures, Rose. You don't understand. Okay. I'm complaining, okay. but I love it. Okay, good. Because, <laughs> because that one's coming your way shortly. <laughs> this episode of the Automators podcast is brought to you by Hover. Go to hover.com slash automators and make a name for yourself and get 10% off any domain name. I'm so pleased to be reading an ad for Hover, a company that I use all the time. When you get that one big idea, where do you go? Well, your business starts with a domain name, so for many entrepreneurs, Hover is that big leap. Hover has over 300 domain name extensions to choose from. No matter what you want to build, there's a domain name waiting for it, and they have excellent technical support to answer any questions you may have, and they're dedicated to getting you online, not upselling you. Hover has free who is privacy, so the bad guys don't get your information, a clean user interface, monthly sales on popular top-level domains, and it's easy to see why Hover is the popular choice for people starting businesses. When I decided to go out on my own as a lawyer, one of the first things I did was buy the domain for sparksesq.com. MaxSparky.com was the same, so was MacPowerUsers.com. All of those domains were bought at Hover, and they continue to be the place I go to to buy domain names. As a longtime user of Hover, I can tell you they make it really easy to manage your domains. If you want to add email services or any of their other services to an account, you can, but they're not creepy about it. They're not always trying to upsell you. Instead, they just give you a quality product for a good price. We know you like intuitive user experiences and things that just work straight out of the box, so I know you'll appreciate Hover. Their user interface is really simple, clean, and easy to navigate. So to buy your domain and start using it today, go to hover.com slash automators and get that 10% discount on all new purchases. That URL, one more time, is hover.com slash automators, A-U-T-O-M-A-T-O-R-S. 
Go check it out, get yourself a domain, and make a name for yourself with Hover. Our thanks to Hover for their support of the Automators podcast and all of Relay FM. So after you left Apple, you started doing a bunch of work with Omni Group and have been working extensively on Omni Automation. Can you explain kind of generally what that is for folks? And then I want to get into this voice thing you've been working on. Shortly after I, I left Apple, I, I was talking to Ken Case. And Ken said that, you know, they were facing a challenge. They were trying to provide their customers with the level of automation that they had been doing with Apple Script, but they wanted it uniformly on all of their devices. Mm-hmm. And could I could I assist with that? Could I, you know, advise them and point out, you know, directions they should take or just help them with certain aspects of brown automation because you know they come from an engineering background and i had a lot of experience with how it works in the real world and they came upon a couple brilliant things that really opened the door the first was they based all of their omni automation on core javascript from webkit And since WebKit ships on every Apple device, they had this consistent source of highly optimized language that they could use. And so Omni Automation is JavaScript. And what they did is they exposed the object model of their applications kind of like they did with AppleScript. You know, in AppleScript, you can uh, script a, a task or uh, a project, right? And it has properties, and each one of those properties is available to the script. Well, they did that same thing with JavaScript. And so the first thing that we talked about was, well, how do we communicate that script between applications and from external sources? And we came up with the concept of using it in a URL, You know how most applications that have URL support, they use a key value structure so that you'll have this key followed by a value in the URL, then another key, then another value, then another key. So you have to understand and memorize all these different key value patterns and put them into a URL. But Omni just bypassed that. What they did is say, let's just take the script We'll encode it so that it's URL compliant and then send it. And the other and the receiving Omni application will take that, decode it, and then just execute it into you know, our script engine. And by doing that, you didn't have to, as a script writer, I didn't have to worry about keys and values. I just wrote the script that works, do a simple encoding on it, and voila, I had an Omni automation a script URL. And then they focused on security because you Mm. want to make sure that you just can't have these things popping off whenever you go to a web page or something. So they worked with Apple and Apple had some great suggestions on it. And so the way that they ended up is that you had to enable external scripts and that and the first time any script was run, you would actually see it. And they have a window and you can look at it, expose it and decide whether you want to run it once or run it for any time from that particular source. And by doing that, you had a secure way to enable instant communication with their applications from various sources, other applications, buttons in a web page, those kind of things. 
And it really opened up the door. Now that it is totally device independent, so the same script runs on the iPhone, that runs on the iPad, that runs on the Mac. And their repertoire and abilities are just outstanding. And that's what Omni Automation is about. It's about writing a script that works on all of their devices. Yeah, and they have rolled that out now to, I believe, mm -hmm. all their products. I know it's an Omni Outliner, Omni Graffle, Omni Focus. Is it an Omni Plan yet? Yep, yeah. yep. I mean, it's everywhere. Yes, and that's the beauty of it. And it really is uh, the way that it should be. You know, I always thought that Apple should have a universal uh, scripting architecture that works across all their devices, but they never followed that approach because they were developing the different operating systems separate from each other rather than mm -hmm. as an overall strategy. iOS kind of popped up and we lived in its own world in its own set of buildings in Cupertino. So there wasn't a lot of communication between the two groups and they developed their own structures that you're still working around today. But this concept, since Omni had, uh, you know, ownership of all four of their productivity apps, they were able to make this possible. And it's been interesting that other developers have also decided that JavaScript is a default language that they use. And many of the apps, like Rosemary said, like Drafts, uh, use JavaScript-based uh, as their automation as well. And so it works well. And since HTML also is integrated with JavaScript, running Omni Automation within HTML works really well. As, it works very good as well. And that's mm -hmm. why when you go to the Omni-Automation website, the examples on the web page, you can just click and it, it will execute on your machine because of this whole relationship. So Omni did some very clever stuff, very profound engineering work to make this all possible. And now what we're doing with it, we're taking it up a couple levels with the new voice control. And we've uh, able now to tie in uh, the voice language input into Omni Automation. And they put in place classes within Omni Automation just for responding. So there's a new voice synthesis class that's part of Omni Automation so that your script can talk back to you and give you a response or, or a prompt. And it really does make the whole process of automating what you do quite amazing. Yeah. So what you have done is no less than just like you, you know, turn the world upside down with Automator. You've done it again, Sal, because you created an automation system that is, in effect, a new interface paradigm. Like we've got the keyboard and mouse, we've got the touchscreen, and now you have wired up OmniFocus so you can entirely control it with your voice. And, uh, gang, Sal showed this to me a month or two ago. We had an extended video call together and this is crazy what you've done. I mean, I just never even thought of it as something that you could do. It's like when you watch a science fiction movie and the user starts talking out loud to the computer and it does all the work for them. That's kind of what you've done with OmniFocus. First of all, I have to, <laughs> I appreciate the word you, but this is the Omni team. It's yeah. like 
Tim and Ken and Greg and everybody from Omni working very hard to make this reality. Uh, I'm fortunate that I get to represent that, but don't think that I'm the one that makes all of that happen. Sure, I get I, that. I, I yeah. contributed some to it, but but you 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 have this knack of being around when this stuff happens. So you do. <laughs> <laughs> I live in the eye of the tornado. I've been told. Yes. I mean, that's the calmest place to be, and it's certainly the place where you get to to see everything that's going on. And I I think. For me, one of the things that I've always struggled with with voice is that lack of interaction. It feels like it's a very one-way mm. thing. And the number of times I've spoken to a HomePod or I've asked um, Siri to do something like in CarPlay. Um, I had this today and I, I asked it to reschedule my 2 p.m. Uh, alarm uh, because mm-hmm. I was driving and I knew it was going to go off, but I didn't want it going off. I wanted to reschedule it for approximately when I'd be back home. Um, and... Um, so I asked um, Terry to reschedule it, and she goes and lists three alarms that are at two, two of which are turned off. So it's almost certainly <laughs> not going to be those. Thanks, Siri. Um, and I respond what I think is correctly. It turns out, no, I actually had to interrupt. And that's one of the things I really struggle with um, with, with voice, you know, knowing what you should say when it talks back to you. Or sometimes it just doesn't give you very helpful feedback. Like it Mm -hmm. started listing all three alarms, but it didn't tell me the name of any of them. Um, And I think this is where writing your own uh, responses can be really useful because if you're creating an automation um, or you're stealing one from somebody else, because there's lots of examples that people can download from the Omni Automation website. And this is something that people should always remember. Stealing automation is 100% valid you should do it um always start by stealing um uh but you know like you can customize what it's gonna say back you can uh, customize so if you're multilingual it can respond uh you know with certain words which maybe are words that you would choose to use from a different language um and you can customize it completely and even if you steal it from somebody else you can go in there and just change those those text strings that's that's easy enough to do and i really like it when you you get proper interaction back because that that's where voice right. control really steps it up to you know like outer space from ground level you know it's yes. fine just being able to talk to something and do something you hope but it's great when it tells you it did it and then it's going to do this thing now because it that's what the next step is or it asks you to confirm or whatever it is and i think this combined with uh i noticed there's a, another uh, class for playing audio um, as well mm-hmm. so that you can have alert sounds come back, which is mm-hmm. is great because, you know, sometimes you don't want a voice, you want a sound to acknowledge that something worked or didn't work. Right. And there are standard sounds for those on macOS and, and iOS. And it, it's great to be able to combine all of that to truly create the best automation and interaction experience that you can. Right. During my time at Apple, I spent a lot of time with the Siri team. And we were developing uh, AppleScript running with Siri so that uh, you could give a command and AppleScript would be the hands who would execute it. And during that time, we we looked a lot at, at how you give commands and what works best. And we decided that, that there were certain things like, you know, using short phrases like two words optimally would be the best things that didn't make you have to breathe hard when you were saying it. Like, uh, for example, if I want the sidebar and the inspector panel and OmniFocus to go away, the uh, best way to do that would be, say, sides out, because 
that word sides out, it doesn't take a lot of energy to do. And then I could say sides in and bring them back in. And using specific phrases that minimize the effort that it takes really works well. And in addition, you can, the way that voice control works is that you can have optional words in your phrases. So for example, if I had sides in and I made in an optional word, then I could just say sides or I could say sides in and they both would work. And in, uh, in voice control on, on all of Apple devices, you can have multiple phrases to trigger a command and they can, those phrases can have optional words. So you really don't need a natural language recognition engine like Siri has on a server. You can create you know, six or seven or eight or 10 variations that work with most of the things that you say. So you'll find that a lot of the commands that we use are quite rememberable, are quite Mm. memorable, uh, even if you don't use them very often. The other thing is that if you learn them one or two at a time, it's the best way. You install one or two commands and then use those and make those part of your uh, workflow. And then once you get used to them, add another one, another one here and there. In fact, when you were kind of teaching me how this works i said well give me one download for all the commands and you said you think you want that but you don't want that <laughs> you know because <laughs> because you're right it's overwhelming it's like keyboard shortcuts or anything else you need to learn them in small bites but you know getting back to the whole voice interpretation problem right i mean historically there's two ways to do that there is where you code it in which you've done here sides in means hide bring the sides sidebars in sides out means mm-hmm. push them out um versus like the computer becomes the the computer abstracts whatever you says say and tries to interpret that and and do what it thinks you just asked for which i right. think is in the long term the answer maybe not in our lifetimes maybe in 10 years i don't know you know that's why apple's putting so much effort into ai but you you took the first path with this, which I think is the right path for for where we are right now. Yeah, uh, you know, voice control with Omni Automation it, it's really important because it transcends the traditional concept of accessibility. It's about using all of your abilities to express the intent to the device that you're working with, and for the device to respond. You have expression that leads to recognition that leads to the action. And I don't know why, but for some reason, we often limit ourselves to just using our fingers. I mean, we can speak and the devices now have the ability to listen and understand and recognize. And when you map that recognition to the actions that we want to be performed, with automation, then you have a, the, the right way to go about it. When we forget about how do I do something and instead focus on what it is I want to do, then creation and, and development, and it's more effortless and it becomes more fluid. And, and what makes Omni voice automation work for me, which sadly I don't get enough with Siri, is predictable results. Like 
we've mm-hmm. been talking about the side in side out comment, but there's a bunch of different commands that you can use to control OmniFocus. And once you learn the vocabulary that it understands and internalize that, you have absolutely predictable results. When I say sides yeah. in, they come in. And I don't, yeah. it's not like, well, is this time, is it going to work? No, every time it works. And that, yeah. you know, that is what makes it really valuable in my opinion. Very much so. Uh, on the website, on the uh, voice control section of on the Omni Automation website, we have a file that you can install on on your on your Mac that will add voice control for every menu item of OmniFocus. You know, 127 different commands available, and some of them have multiple variations with optional words, like I mentioned. And that's mm-hmm. just using your voice to trigger a menu. That's not doing something that's a customized action. That's not something that takes five or six steps and combines it into a single voice command. That's just the basics. But when you combine all those together with customized voice commands that do the kind of things that you do in OmniFocus, then you really have a winning recipe and you get used to them, David, like, like you said, the dependability that they're there, the architecture that Apple has in place on all of their devices for voice control is highly accurate. And it's also integrated with dictation. So you can intersperse in what you're doing, start dictating in a text field. And the software is intelligent enough to know the difference between when you're dictating or when you're giving a command. So all of a sudden you have all of this incredible power to fill in text fields, navigate buttons, navigate interfaces, combined with the customization of having commands that target that particular piece of software. So it it really does bring up the next level. Perhaps down the road, like you said, there'll be a day when there's natural language recognition. It doesn't require going to a server someplace. But for right now, this is incredibly productive and predictable in what it does. No, and I'm convinced when they get to the natural language element of this, it's going to be worse for a while. I mean, ultimately it'll get better, but I feel like this is perfect for what we're doing. And it's just a question of learning those commands. This episode of Automators is brought to you by Trade. Coffee is one of those things. It gets a lot of people up in the morning. And there's something to be said about having actually good coffee instead of those stale, mashed up, weird grounds that you get from the supermarket that have been freeze dried and, well, just tastes stale? Trade Coffee starts with an experience. You tell them how often you want your coffee, and then you let them select a coffee for you, or you can choose your own. So if you know exactly what you like, then you can get it, or they can pick something from their 450 blends. It is always a pleasant surprise to get something that perfectly suits you in the post, and Trade Coffee is no exception. When you become a Trade Coffee customer, you'll get the freshest and best tasting coffee you've ever made at home. And the coffee you'll be drinking will be from the country's best independent craft roasters, which helps those small businesses out a lot too. And this is cool. Trade's coffee team actually taste tests thousands of coffees to keep 450 kinds live and ready to ship every day. Everyone has that one coffee that they just love and Trade will help you find it. Trade is confident they'll match you right first time. And if they don't, 
Just give them your feedback. A natural coffee expert will work with you to send a brand new bag for free so you know you'll be looked after. Whether you're friends with your coffee snob or you just know coffee when it tastes really perfect, Trade's real coffee experts personally taste test over 450 roasts so they know exactly what to recommend to you. It just takes answering a couple of questions to get your own personalized variety of coffees delivered fresh to you as often as you like. Right now, Trade is offering new subscribers a total of $30 off your first order plus free shipping when you go to drinktrade.com slash automators. That's more than 40 cups of coffee for free. Get started by taking their quiz at drinktrade.com slash automators and let Trade find you a coffee you'll love. That URL one more time, drinktrade.com slash automators for $30 off. Our thanks to Trade for their support of this show and Relay FM. So Sal, so far we've been talking about the the chocolate cake of all this. You use your voice and it just works. I want to step back for a minute and just talk about setting it up and and how this works for people listening that are inspired and want to go to it. I, I think the first thing uh-huh. I would tell them is to go to your Omni Automation website. Actually, you have you have a, a separate website called Voice Automation, right? What's that? Voice hyphen automation dot com. Is that it? It's omni-automation.com slash voice-control. And there's a link in the show notes. Yes. And that's the entire section of the website that's uh, devoted toward using the voice control interface that is part of all of Apple devices with omni-automation. Okay. And so so let me interrupt there for a second. So uh, a fundamental piece of this is Apple's voice control engine, which they announced, I believe, two years ago at WWDC. It started mm-hmm. as an accessibility feature, but it's right. really way more than that. It, it's it's Apple's version of uh, Dragon Dictate, where not only can you dictate text, but you can also control the operation of your Mac. And so that's been yes. around for a couple of years, but Apple right. has put a plug-in process into that and that's the foothold that Sal needed to do this. Yes. What they implemented, first of all, they brought it to iOS, which was great, right? And because that totally frees up people to be able to use their voice on all of their Apple devices. But they recently implemented on the Mac the ability to take your custom commands and export them as small little XML files, Right. So that you could back them up and you could share them between devices. You could take those set of commands that go to another Mac, install them, and they would be there. But now with uh, iOS 16 and iPad OS 16, they're implementing the same kind of thing on those platforms where you can take your, your customized commands and back them up. In addition, they've also added shortcut support across all devices now for voice control. So a voice control command can be, its action can be triggering a shortcut. So you can have a couple ways that we use is on the Mac, we give you the little file, the XML file, which is simple to install. You just go to a menu, pick it, open, and then load the file and all the command, all the the script and everything gets done for you automatically. On iOS and iPad OS, we use a shortcut. So you install this shortcut and the power comes in through that shortcut. And then you map that to whatever kind of custom command you want to do. Eventually we're 
powered right now by the open URL action on the Mac and shortcuts on iOS. If Apple brings the open URL to iOS, then we'll have a consistent way to do across all platforms. And that'll be pretty amazing. But right now we have the two ways to do it. And it's really not difficult to install, but a lot of fun to use. And if you go to the website, we have a video carousel that has over 50 videos, the short videos, some from five seconds to 10 seconds like that, that show you how it's being used to give you an idea about how you integrate this into the kind of stuff you do with your devices. So I encourage people to go uh, check out the video carousel and just go through the different examples. And it will give you quickly an idea about ways to use voice with Omni Automation and what it can do for you. And in addition, we also have a collection that right now it's about over 90 different separate commands that you can download and install. And each command has its own web page that shows you the code, gives you the links to download, and usually has a video to explain it as well. It's all there for you. And that's why earlier I was talking about stealing things, because this is the way I got started with playing with all of this, of course, you know, download examples and play with them and then go completely utterly nuts as one can, uh, as you know, only I can do. Um, and then try and scale it back a bit to make it actually manageable, because I made the mistake that you talked about earlier. I, d I added loads of voice commands for loads of things, and I can't remember any of them, because it <laughs> really is worth starting with just a couple um, and then and then expanding from there, because that's... Mm. Mm -hmm. That's the problem, right? You don't want to have to, you know, part of the 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 beauty of automation is trying to remove some of the the extra thinking that you would need to do. Mm -hmm. You know, you're not thinking about do I need to format this like this or whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish. You're just mm -hmm. doing the thing. But if you add thousands of voice commands all at once, then you will absolutely forget them or occasionally randomly trigger something that's completely unintentional that you had set up for testing and forgotten about, um, which only, you know, it, it, it just, fortunately for me, it was toggling the flag on and off. And I got, got very confused as to why the flag was toggling on and off. Um, <laughs> and it, it was because uh, I, I, I'd set something up that I shouldn't have. Um, but, um, you know, it, it's great that there are so many examples, um, especially with the videos. I know a lot of people really like watching a video on on how these things work and how to set it up. Mm -hmm. um, and I really like the the direct examples as well, like the the quick inbox triage for me, is just one of those examples where you can then end up with a lot of ideas from this sort of thing because you start with, okay, actually, this is what I need to do. And I actually have my own cleanup inbox script, but I still mm -hmm. need to clean up the rest of my inbox because it doesn't do everything. It just gets the predictable things and it puts right. those in the right places. And so, you know, this is the rest of the puzzle piece for me. You know, there was one of the commands that we posted was called first inbox item. And the way we designed the voice command is no matter where you are, you could be at the springboard out, you know, you could be in another app or whatever. It's a global command. So you just go first inbox item and it switches to OmniFocus, takes you to the inbox, selects the first item, and it says ready. That's what I wanted. I just wanted a simple command that would get me to the point where I could start working. Mm -hmm. And it's all possible with this simple little voice command that you install. 
and it makes it possible to do those kind of things. Those little bits of automation that can get you from A to B quickly are so helpful during the day, especially when you're under a time constraint. So there's plenty of those types of commands mixed in with the other ones that are very specific about a certain type of procedure that you want to do as well. Okay, so one that I have been really engaged with is called copy as markdown link because anybody who Mm -hmm. listens to me knows I'm a super fan of linking my OmniFocus projects in other places like craft obsidian whatever and i used to go through this process you've got to select it you got to right click it you got to go down to copy as link now i just say copy as markdown link and it's done i mean and i think that's where this stuff really pays off the stuff that takes Mm -hmm. two or three steps to do with a mouse um Mm -hmm. the voice stuff is just faster right there's a command called copy as csv because I wanted to be able to take comma-separated values and take it over to a spreadsheet. So it will copy the current outline in OmniFocus as you have it as comma-separated values, and then you can switch over to numbers and say paste. And voila, all of a sudden, the outline that you're currently working with in OmniFocus is now in a spreadsheet. That saves how many steps? Wow, that's and you just say copy as CSV, D- done. Yes. And I think, you know, if, for people who are somewhat, um, you know, reticent about using their voice to control things, it's still worth looking at this. A, because at some point you or somebody that you you, you know or meet uh, may need this, um, but also because a lot of these things are a good reminder of things that you can add keyboard shortcuts to as well and are just great inspiration for lots of other automation. And you know, uh, you were saying this uh, before we started recording, Sal, you know, sometimes it's actually just a lot easier to speak um, yeah. because actually what you you need to do is you need to, you know, say these words. And I've introduced my dad to dictation. My dad has dyslexia, so he ah. really struggles with spelling. But you know what? If he uses dictation, then ah. a Siri figures that out. Siri's actually great at dictation for him. And then my mom and I get messages that we actually understand instead of a message which, thanks to its spelling, is somewhat or completely ambiguous in meaning. Um, And that's really helpful for all of us. Um, But, you know, if I'm in the middle of cooking um, and I want to add some items to my inbox in OmniFocus or I think, actually, you know what, you know, I'm kneading some dough, but my mind is free. Well, my hands are covered in dough, so I'm not, uh, you know, and trying Mm -hmm. to pick up my iPhone or my iPad to go process my inbox, for example, would be a pretty bad idea. Um, you know, it, you can only do one thing at once properly um, when it comes to something like that. But I can still talk to my iPad or my iPhone. Mm-hmm. And so then, you know, you start building up use cases where you hadn't really thought about it before. But now, you know, instead of just standing there watching Diagnosis Murder as I need dough, I can actually process my OmniFocus inbox and then watch an episode of Diagnosis Murder. Um, because, you know, I'm still going to have some fun <laughs> afterwards. But, you know, it, it's great to be able to take advantage of those those times when you know you are not going to be able to interact with your device as you usually do because you're doing something else or because you're currently not able to um and I, I i've been definitely getting more on the bandwagon of using my voice because it's something that is a skill you know 
most of us can talk. Um, and it's something that we kind of forget about when it comes to technology. And sometimes you may look like a crazy person standing there talking to your iPhone. But you know what? All those people using speakerphone walking down the street look like crazy people to me. So I figure why not right. turn it back on them and process my inbox or something. <laughs> You know, the best for me, the best combination is using voice with my fingers and everything. Instead of relying on voice to do everything, I like to use voice for if I have to do some text input real quick. Like your father, a little bit of dictation, it goes in there real quick. Or I'll open, quick open, and I'll just go retaining wall. Instead of having to type it just comes in to, to, you know, quick open, and then I can see my selection go real quick that way. It's the combination of using voice as an input device with the way that I currently use my hands. Together, it's even more powerful than either one of them by themselves. It, it's pretty amazing. One, one quick example of that was I have, there's a voice command for toggling uh, the status of a tag. So the command I use is toggle tag. And then instead of having to long press on something to a sub menu and then going to the sub menu and then changing the status, it just does it instantly. And it goes, the status is now on hold, poof, like that. So sometimes it's a mix of using your voice with your hands that can really deliver. But I love, mm. like like you, I love using short dictation. Uh, it, it, it's so much more accurate than what I can type myself. Or, or yeah. long and dictation. it's faster, too. Yeah, long Because <laughs> if you're going to get voice... If you're gonna get voice control running, you get an unlimited dictation. Although in iOS 16, you're getting that with the built-in tool as well. You're getting a custom vocabulary, so you can do long dictation with it as well. But I wanted to give an example of one since I've started using this, where I'm typing and talking. And I have I'm not a big fan of like using defer dates and OmniFocus for everything. I think that becomes a job, and you, you're not doing your hmm. work; you're just fiddling. But I do have one particular perspective called do for me, which is like the Yoda quote, do or do not, you know? So it's a <laughs> D-O period. And that's like the stuff I really want to do. And the filter for it is it's got a flag and it's in certain projects. And it's a, it's a pretty narrow perspective, but I am willing to use defer dates on the stuff that lands in that perspective. But the process of like going through those and changing defer dates, whether you're on the Mac mm. or the iPhone, mm -hmm. it's just a pain in the neck. I mean, there's no, mm -hmm. and I've talked to the Omni group about it, but there's just not really an easy way to mm -hmm. automatically or easily say, push this forward two or three days. I wrote some custom Apple scripts for it a few years ago and I mapped those to stream deck buttons. But I find now that I've got voice control, I use the arrow keys. I just go in that perspective, mm. select an item, I'll say, uh, you know, uh, add two days to defer date, and it does it. Then I hit the arrow yeah. key, add three days, you know, and, you know, set defer date to today. And the syntax on this is really great because they have different ways. You can say add two days to defer date. You can say push out defer date by two days. They've got a bunch mm -hmm. of different ways you can do it. Mm -hmm. um, now, Sal, can I go in and add additional ones if I decide I really want to say this differently? Is it possible as a oh, user yeah. to go in? What's involved with Absolutely. that? Absolutely. Well, there's two ways you can do it. In in the interface for voice control, if you, for example, if we're on the Mac, you go to system preferences, accessibility, voice control. 
and click the commands button, you can edit any command and change the phrase you want to use as a recognizing phrase, right? Yeah. And the same way you can do the same thing on your iPhone too. It's under custom commands. You can go in and edit it, the, the, the text to be whatever you like. You can make commands that work for you. You don't have to use the ones that are provided for you. It's totally user editable. I wonder if my Mac would recognize, forget about it. Forget, forget about, about it. Today's. Yeah. So the, here's how you do that. Open up text edit, turn on voice control dictation and say, forget about it and see the way that it writes it. Okay. And then mm-hmm. if that way you copy that and use it in your command, and then it will recognize those specialized terms. I quite often do that. I knew you'd have a trick for that. I'm glad you shared yeah. that. Yeah. It, it's the same as uh, copying out like the date format um, of something uh, from, mm-hmm. like, if you've got Hazel parsing yeah. uh, a PDF or similar for a date, like copying mm-hmm. that plain text and dumping that. I prefer BB Edit over Text Edit just because it's uh-huh. got so many automation possibilities. Oh, yeah. Also, it's just oh, a great yeah. app. Uh, even if you're just getting the free version, it's well worth it. Um, right. But, you know, you, you paste it in there and then you actually see what it's looking at. And then you find, you know, there's a rogue space in there. You can't see it, but it's there. And that's uh-huh. why it's not working or something. So, yeah, dictating something into blank into a blank text document is a really good way to do that. And also, don't forget that at different times of day, you'll speak differently, right? First thing in the right. morning when you're wide awake um, or not so wide awake, depending on whether you're a morning person or a night owl, um, you know, you'll you'll speak much more clearly at one point than you will later when you're really tired and maybe you're right. distracted, so you're kind of slurring your words a little bit. You know, so think about that as well and, di- you know, dictate it maybe at a couple of times a day or uh, get some friends uh, or family members to dictate it as well. Because if you've been listening to one of them talk, then you may be mimicking their speech patterns somewhat, um, which could, you know, end up with different results. So, hmm. yeah, I love that idea. Dictate into a text document and then you've got your triggers ready. Yes. I think one of the biggest tips for dictation or giving voice commands is pretend that your computer is something that learned English as a second language. Like, you know, if you have, <laughs> oh, a fr- yeah. if you have a friend that is speaks English, but they grew up speaking Portuguese or something, you always are better with your diction with them. And so just try yes. to do that. And if you give the computer that ESL kind of version of yourself, it will do so much better. It, I've found that voice control adapts to your voice. It does learn. There's a lot of learning going on, and it gets more accurate the more that you use it, it over time. Uh, there is one thing about defer I'll talk about very quickly, is I built in a set of commands that use relative dates. So I can say defer to Wednesday. Yeah, I was going to mention that. It automatically yeah. does that. And I did that for also setting uh, setting due date, uh, setting deferred dates, so that you, you sometimes it's just you only want to go a couple days and you know, you're on Monday, you go defer to Wednesday, boof, and it does it. Avoiding date pickers is a real time saver. Yes. Oh, and there's a couple commands where you can give very specific, you know, you can say set due date. It goes ready. And then when you hear ready, you can start saying what you want. You can go September 23rd at 4 p.m. And it will take that and do it for you automatically. Avoiding date pickers is a great way to speed up what you're doing. Yeah. 
It also allows you to avoid that, oh gosh, wait, is today Wednesday? I thought it was Tuesday. Oh no. And then you get distracted <laughs> by which day of the week it is. Or, oh wait, but isn't this thing on this date? And you open up your calendar to double check. You, you just know at this moment, I need to defer it to then. And, you know, right. checking which date is it is and, and making sure it's definitely, you know, 100% right with everything else in your calendar. That's what you do in review when you're controlling right. things and just trying to get the information in there. You just need to get the information in there as it is in your head right now. Yes. Another thing is I want anybody listening who's interested to go to omni-automation.com slash voice control slash collection. And we'll put a link in the show notes for that. Because I know, Sal, that you've put months of your life into this, but you have created this remarkable collection. We've only mentioned about five or six today, but how many are there here now? Is it is it 100? I mean, there's so it's many. It's over 90. I'm shooting for 100. I, I had wanted to have 100 by the time we did this, but I didn't yeah. quite make it. It's like 93 or so right now. Uh, it'll probably be 100 by the time we publish. But it, it is just, there are so many things you can do here. Um, anything yeah. you've ever wanted to do with OmniFocus, with your voice, it's it's yeah. insane. And each one has a video demonstrating it, has the code, it has its own website. It's just, yeah. it's just so well done. If you follow what Rose says, you'll look at those pages and you'll grab some of the code and just use it in your own stuff. Yeah. There's plenty of uh, plenty examples of there of like, like I had one that, that shows you the next forecast date. The next active forecast. Well, yeah. how do you figure that out? Well, there's the code for it. Yep. So you can go mm -hmm. in and copy out that section that you need and use it in your own scripts. Yeah. Or you could just put it into a shortcut, you know, and dump it uh -huh. in and say, I want to always be able to clear all the deferred dates on my phone. Mm -hmm. Well, you've got the language here. You've written the script for it, mm -hmm. whether you tie it to your voice or not. Uh, just right. so powerful. Yeah, man, this stuff They're is all, great. All those scripts are self-contained. You can copy them and paste them into the run Omni Automation script shortcut action and just paste it straight in. And you have a shortcut that you can now put in your shortcut workflows as well. So I, I have one complaint, Sal, and um, ah. I'm actually a little angry with you about this. Only one? Yeah. <laughs> you have ruined my other applications. I'm going into the other apps now. and I'm like, well, how come it's not listening to me? I mean, I feel ah. like, you know, just like in the, back in the day when you started getting picked up by all the big companies, my goal is that uh, you get really busy doing this for some of my other favorite apps. I mean, this is, this is amazing. Well, on that, on the site, you know, the voice dash control so, uh, section of the Omni Automation site, we do have script tools for developers. If you're interested in developing these little XML files containing your commands, uh, these tools are already written to make this a very simple process for you. So using those, you can go into any application and instantly map your voice to all the different menu commands of that application. And one of the applications I did that for was the Finder. So we have a file that has all of the Finder commands and mapped. And I did it for the view menu in Keynote as an example as well. So you can use the tools that we provide if you're interested and map these, at least map the voice to the menu items for that application. As to doing customized stuff, Omni is unique in their ability to offer Omni automation across all devices. Yeah. 
because they built so, the engine in underneath before yeah. you did this. Yeah. So Omni Automation is really pretty unique and very powerful, and it makes their applications really stand out and shine. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, uh, people were writing me saying, why are you so in the bag for OmniFocus? And it's stuff like this, honestly. I mean, even before you got your hands on it, the fact that you can link anything, a perspective, a project, a task, or whatever, makes it a very useful app to me. But now I can do it with my voice. And um, I, what I would like for anybody listening to this that is using OmniFocus is to go to the website and just download two commands and try it because I really hmm. think this that'll be all it takes. It's like the dealer giving you a free sample, but you know, <laughs> uh, you're, you're going to find you use it. And uh, so David, what you're saying is that once they do sides in sides out, they're never going to go back to the other way. Uh, I try, I have mapped that to keyboard shortcuts like three times and I always forget what they are. And now I just say it and it happens. It's, and also there is a little like, there's a bit of delight when you're sitting in front of your computer and you just start saying things and the screen reacts. I know that's probably a mm-hmm. nerd thing for me, but it is delightful for me to just sit here with my hands laced behind my head and start talking and watch my computer dance for me. It's probably one of the few things in life that will respond to what you say. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Definitely not my dog, but but, but my back will. <laughs> I mean, as long as she's not chewing your stream deck cable, David, I think we're fine, though. I should work on a voice command for that. Um, ah. I, I mean, you know, I mean, yeah. that said, you know, robot vacuums could definitely chew on cables uh, if they want to. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my, my, mine got stuck on a rug while I was on hold. It actually got, it got stuck in the bathroom because it knocked over a box that I thought was totally safe and I'd left somewhere else. Um, and so I had to like use the manual controls and do kind of a bumper car move, except I had to do it in reverse because if it's going forward, it senses that there's a box there and it, it won't drive. It just stops. So I had to reverse bumper car a box out the way. And then it, it, uh, like the final time I ran it before I came home, it, it ate a rug and, and got stuck. Um, so, uh, yeah, you know, robot vacuum can, uh, be programmed to, uh, consume your cables on command, I suspect, or by accident, <laughs> more likely. Sal, when you were putting all this together, did you have one of those aha moments where you first saw it working and you're like, this is going to work? You know, did you have one of those moments? Absolutely. Um, uh, you know, when, uh, when Tim and Ken and the other engineers put in the speech synthesis suite. Uh, into Omni Automation. And the first time I had uh, the script prompt me, I, one of the uh, techniques that we use is when it says ready, it means that you can input. If it does something, it will say done. But if it says ready, then you don't have to be looking at the screen. You know that it's ready for you to start saying something like a dictation or a date or something like that. And the first time we had the speech synthesis working so that it was integrated with the scripts to give you the prompts and the feedback that you needed, that was the moment. That was the moment that we knew that this whole thing was really going to work. You know, and we we haven't even mentioned that people who have visual impairments or sight challenged, this, this is a game changer for them too. I mean, uh, we've been talking about this as automators, but this this technology is so useful to so many people. You know, there's a thing called universal design. Uh, I was watching 60 Minutes the other day, and they had an architect who had lost his sight. 
and he was an architect before he had lost his sight, and he was an architect afterwards too. And he was talking about universal design, where you design one thing, but it works for everybody. And his example was in like an airport garage, they have these lines in the concrete. And I've noticed those, but I never really thought about it. But what it does was it's a way of telling someone who can't see that the elevator's coming up and it's going to be on the left-hand side by the Mm -hmm. way that these lines were placed. And it's just part of the whole design of the place. And if you design it well, then it works for everybody. And that's the thing about voice control with Omni Automation is it works like David, like you said, if you have sight problems, this is really a a great way to use a personal management software, Omni Productivity software with your voice, but it works for everybody too. And it's not just accessibility. It seems like a lot of us, we've been told that you can't use your voice. That's just for accessibility. And they store it under accessibility in the operating system. But it really is much more than just that. It kind of transcends that whole idea. It's universal design. It's part of the interface of the device. And everybody can take advantage of that. Yeah, and I, I think part of the problem is historically it just hasn't been very good, you know. And but now with Apple Silicon and artificial intelligence mm-hmm. subroutines, mm-hmm. it's just all this stuff has suddenly got a lot better. Even just the basic idea of opening a text field and talking to your computer, um, as someone who's been doing it for thirty years, it is much better than it used to be. And now oh, yeah. the errors are the exception where before it was really bad the first couple of yeah. times you did it. And and this stuff is just ripe for the picking. But I think a lot of people had probably bad experiences with it or didn't really mm-hmm. give it a full effort. But the, this is the perfect excuse to get going with it. And one of the things you did for me when you turned me on to this is it got me using voice control again because I had not really engaged with it much and right. I am um, now I'm using it all the time because I would use the Siri voice to text dictation on my Mac, but I wouldn't use the voice control. But now all of a sudden I'm finding more excuses to keep voice control turned on. Here's a tip. The way that I use it is they have a standby mode. You can say go to sleep yeah, and it goes into standby mode. Then you say wake up and it wakes up. Yeah. And so I leave voice control on all the time but in standby mode. And then a lot of the examples, the little video examples, I left it in where you'll see wake up and then the command comes yeah. and you give a command. And then afterwards, when you're done doing your, your whatever it is you want to do, you say, go to sleep yeah. and it goes to sleep in the standby. So it they have it so accurate and so useful with that quick standby mode that there's no reason not to leave it on all the time. Yeah. Agreed. It's really powerful. Yeah. And there's also a shortcut section for setting voice control, by the way, for (laughs) folks uh, turning it on and off. Uh, So you could uh, tie that into the triple back tap on your phone um, or similar, um, which, you know, is is another uh, great option. You can actually have it just toggle voice control, which will just flip it between on and off um, if you like. Or you can, um, you know, do do whatever it is you like. So. Th- that's that's another uh, thing to consider because I know that um, 
some some employers may have uh, requirements about not having like um, the the Hey Apple Lady functionality. I'm not going to say because otherwise my HomePods are going to trigger as well as my phone and my iPad <laughs> and everything else. Um, but you know, so, some employers may have requirements about not having devices have that functionality activated um, at work. Mm-hmm. And if you want a quick way to turn it on and off, then um, shortcuts can turn on and off voice control as well as a no- number of other accessibility features, um, which can be used for automation purposes. Um, I'm not a hundred percent certain if the voice control option is only in ios 16 or if it's in 15 as well um but don't forget you also have the uh triple tap of the side button which can turn on and off um uh, an assistive feature of your choice um which would be voice control so so those are great options uh for people who maybe want to play and and don't want to leave it on because they occasionally tell their devices to wake up um, because they're they're being a bit slow. I'm thinking of my mom here. Um, every so often, her her iPhone won't rotate. Um, she's due for a new one this year, and she'll be she'll be getting mine probably. Um, but her iPhone doesn't rotate, and so she's like going, "Wake up, wake up!" At it, and of course, you know, if she had voice control activated, then then ah. that would wake it up. And I'll add just to pile onto that. I would highly recommend triple tapping the side button to tapping the back of the phone because. Uh, I have used voice control switching that way, and it turns on in my pocket sometimes just for various <laughs> reasons. And then, uh, see, I, I use the back tap option to open drafts so I can yeah. quickly capture stuff, and I'm I'm not bothered by drafts randomly opening if I drop my yeah. phone on the couch or something because it, it that and that only happens when um my phone is unlocked because of course it's opening an app. Of course, the voice control toggle will then be available whenever. And then over on the Mac, I got a script from Sal. I think I got it on your Omni Automation website. I'll have to look. Um, but I, hmm. I, using Keyboard Maestro, I just tied it to Control Option Command Return on my Mac. So if I just hold down those three buttons next to the space bar and hit Return, then Voice Control turns on or turns off. So if I just huh. want to absolutely turn it off or on, I do that. But, but like you, I just leave it running and use Wake Up and Go to Sleep. But yeah. if for any reason I need to turn it off, I've got a keyboard shortcut now that it's very easy to remember, you know. That's very clever. Rose, you're amazing. Your your depth of knowledge is always stunning. Well, it's because I keep listening to people like you and David and, and Micah Sargent as well in iOS Today and everybody else who's there using features. And then I, I see something and I, I join the dots. And it makes me look really, really smart because I was just standing in the right place <laughs> to see the dots. But the dots were there. It's just you had to be in the right place to see them. And I think that's the thing with automation, isn't it? You know, all of the pieces are there for you to pick up and play with. It's just a question of whether or not you're brave enough to try and put the puzzle together because uh, sometimes it feels like you might do it wrong. But un- unless you, you're running around with one of the delete actions or a delete uh, function inside of one of the Omni apps or similar, you're not going to lose any data. Um, at worst, you might misfile it. And that's what the undo button is for. Hmm. And Rose is way too humble, like Sal, because it seems like if that's the case, you always seem to be standing around when cool things come together, Rose. So I'm not sure. Uh, see, see, my trick is I'm a bat and I'm actually hanging upside down from the ceiling. Uh, or at least I feel. <laughs> uh, I, I, I mean, I'm saying that I was uh, in France last week at my parents' place and, and there were lots of bats flying around. So I'm feeling very bat inspired right now. But it, yeah, sometimes it Rose is just looking is at things the differently. Tornado. Yes, exactly. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> This episode of The Automators is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. Go to linkedin.com slash automators and post a job for free. As the sun comes out and small businesses are back in business, LinkedIn Jobs makes it easier to grow your team. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the people you want to interview faster and for free. 
Just recently, I was on LinkedIn and saw an old attorney friend who was looking for a new paralegal. And I happened to know a paralegal that was looking for a job. She was really qualified. I hooked the two of them up. She got hired. They're both happy. And all that happened because of LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can create a free job post in minutes to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile. That's what I saw over that paralegal. And then you can spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. It lets you turn your professional network into also your hiring network. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know that every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash automators, A-U-T-O-M-A-T-O-R-S. That's linkedin.com slash automators to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. And our thanks to LinkedIn Jobs for their support of the Automators podcast and all of Relay FM. So Sal, we were talking before we got started today. It seems like there's just some great stuff going on with the Mac right now. Rose and I did a show on this last month, but I, I feel like shortcuts on the Mac, while it doesn't answer all questions and solve mm-hmm. all problems, it seems to have inspired kind of a, you know, a revolution of automation on the Mac. Is that just me or do you see that too? No, I, I definitely see that too, David. I, uh, anybody that's paying attention to the world of automation at all, you can kind of see it that, you know, like developers that have always been sitting on the outside are starting to adopt it. And they're starting to talk about that, you know, I have shortcut support in my app. And I'm just have so much confidence in the team that's there right now in their vision and their ability to execute. And it's just so ingrained now that it's part of the Apple environment. Saying shortcuts, you don't need to really explain it anymore. People are using it. And I think you're right, David. This is like a new a new birth of automationness coming up. I think it it's definitely moving that way. And we can only benefit from this as it, as it starts expanding and more apps contribute to the automation environment. Yeah, I feel like developers didn't have faith that their users would learn Apple Script, so they didn't bother. But mm. they know that people are using shortcuts, and I think I think users are demanding it now. I mean, they want to see yeah. shortcuts actions, and then and then Apple is also I don't know if you spent much time with Ventura and iOS sixteen, but Apple is now making it easier than ever for developers to add shortcuts automation. Yep. Thanks to the team, I I know some of the guys over there are working on that, and they're implementing some great concepts and some great ideas. So, shortcuts for the Mac seems like it's it's really got momentum now. I uh, I'm super happy to see it coming around, and and like you, man, I just want to see more app developers jump in. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the other piece of that is it's making the other automation apps like Keyboard Maestro and 
um, Hazel, and even like going to Apple Script and JavaScript. It's like it's pulling all this stuff together where mm-hmm. now we can just pick and choose what tool we want and combine it all into one thing. Right. One of the concepts behind component automation is that it's a really generalized form that you make these actions so that they work in a large variety of situations. And if you want really specific kind of things, then either you have to have like oodles and oodles of shortcuts actions, or you support it with some kind of scripting. So that at one point you leave the generic and then you go into the specific through scripting to achieve what you want. And it'd be great the the more that applications expose themselves to automation, if they also support that with internal scripting as well, like in the way that the Omni Group did with uh, their version of JavaScript with Omni Automation, that makes it easier for somebody that's looking to automate something very specific in a unique way. It makes that possible. Is what is what the Omni Group did something that um, that ultimately Apple should do for the operating system, or is this something where you really need the app developers to implement it on an app by app basis? No matter what you do, you, developers are going to have to be on board with it, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And at this point, so many developers have come up with their own solutions and they're unifying pretty much on like the JavaScript world that if Apple came in and threw the card upside down by adding something totally different, that would be kind of disruptive at this point. Uh, I don't know. I've always thought that everything should be uh, scriptable, that every application, every component, everything should have a way to to get hooks into that and let the users that do automation create solutions for everybody else to use that can be very specific. But that needed to be implemented at the ground level when you're building the structures of the buildings, right? Going Mm -hmm. back and trying to retrofit in foundational elements is really difficult and like it, like I said, it can be very disruptive. You know, just making it easier for developers to implement uh, a scripting architecture would be very helpful. If somebody's listening and they want to go to the next level and they, they say, okay, I need to look, get better at JavaScript so I can, you know, enter the race here. Uh, any recommendations for places to go learn that stuff? That's one of the beautiful things about JavaScript. I mean... Uh, JavaScript's not one of my preferred languages, but the thing about it, it's so well documented and it's so optimized. So Mm -hmm. it's very fast and you can always find documentation about it. There are some online resources that we list. If you go to like the OmniFocus section of the Omni Automation website, uh, we list a bunch of different places to go to learn JavaScript at various levels of expertise. And there's lots of resources publicly available and videos. And like Rose 
says, there's plenty of examples to steal from. Yeah. You just, you know, go to the website and we try to make everything bite sized so that you can just copy a section and paste. And I've seen a lot of customers that really come up with these scripts that are just two or three sections of other scripts put together, but it works for them. Yeah. And that's, that's what you do. That's how you learn. That's me. My, my, all of my scripting is basically a vomit pool of plagiarism. <laughs> and there is nothing wrong with that. The only thing I will say is that if you are uh, somebody like me who is writing scripts, adding comments in between sections can make mm-hmm. it really easy for somebody else to uh, copy and paste or copy pasta, as it's sometimes referred to, those chunks, because then they know that this section here is the bit that does what they need without necessarily having to read the whole script. And that, that's why, you know, a little bit of formatting is is really useful, as, although JavaScript doesn't require you to add extra spaces and line breaks and so on. It can make it really nice and easy for other people. And I know my scripts are not great examples, the ones that I've, I've written of that. But that said, you know, I, I have had several people contact me and go, hey, I stole from this script. Like, do I need to like thank you, like credit you or something? And it's like, nope, you are good. The requirement <laughs> good if you steal from one of my scripts is that you use it and you do whatever it is that you want to automate because that that's yeah. my only requirement. Make it good and share it with the rest of the world. I must confess, I've stolen some of Rosemary's things too. Yeah, and really I steal from stuff. you all the time. It's it's great, <laughs> and I love how many uh, people out there are are doing you know great things with this stuff. And they started by just you know following a couple of examples or tweaking this or that or whatever it is, um, and now they're they're writing loads of great things. One person who springs to mind is uh, Caitlin uh, Caitlin Seltzer, uh-huh. I believe from uh-huh. the from the Omni uh, group uh, Slack. There's a, a public Omni group Slack, folks. Uh, if you're uh, an Omni whatever it is, user, focus, scraffle, outliner, plan. And uh, there's an automation channel in there. And uh, Caitlin's posted a lot of great examples along with quite a few other folks, which is great. Um, yes. Yeah. And it, it's just really nice to be able to see, you know, some some other really good examples. And if you get stuck, of course, you know, you can post. I always like posting what uh, I have or seeing what somebody has already started with, because sometimes you can see that somebody started down a particular path and you can see why they've got stuck where they're stuck. But actually taking a few steps back is going to make it a lot easier for them. Um, so, um, yeah, but it, it's really great to see, you know, what other people are stealing. Um, and the only thing about JavaScript is a lot of the tutorials you'll find on the Internet are for the web, because JavaScript is what is used to do lots of magic things in your browser. But you know, it's also quite useful to use that as a way to learn JavaScript because mm-hmm. you just need a browser. Um, Firefox or Chrome are probably best. As much as I love Safari, Safari's developer tools uh, don't have things in the same place that a lot of uh, tutorials will tell you where to find them. Um, but they will have them for Firefox and, and Chrome. Uh, they'll tell you where it is in Firefox and Chrome, which is useful. But uh, yeah, it's, it's really useful. And, you know, I just love how you know, universal it's becoming thanks to WebKit. Yes. And, yeah. and as the most novice JavaScript person on this podcast, I'll say that I've learned a lot just looking at the voice control scripts because for each mm. one, uh, Sal has listed the code underneath it. Like you can, it's not just download this file. You can literally look through the code and then you can yeah. start playing with it and like, well, I'll change the error message or I'll change the voice or whatever. And uh, it's not that hard. And then as you start getting familiar with it you see repeated patterns uh you start to put it together 
And uh, there's also copy buttons on those scripts. And I discovered something today. Um, there is a question mark in the top right-hand corner of the Omni Automation website. And if you click on that, it tells you a couple of useful things, including the talk sound, which uh, happens. That happens when you uh, you click the get the copy script button and it's put it on your clipboard. Uh, I did not realize that. I was uh, getting confused the other day as to why I kept hearing a talk sound randomly when I, or seemingly <laughs> randomly when I clicked around on the website. And now I am pleased that the mystery has been solved, um, which is great. <laughs> the so, mystery uh, talk sound. Yes. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't that mysterious because it was kind of happening, but I thought it was my mouse to start with and I was really confused. I was like, I don't think that mouse makes that sound. And it only does it sometimes. Like, did I get chocolate in there or something? Entirely plausible. But no, you've just put a little helper sound in there, as I was yeah. talking about earlier with, um, you know, voice interactions. Sometimes you want an alert um, in an audio format rather than specifically words coming back. You've you've done Some audible kind of feedback too. Some kind of confirmation, too. right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I really love that. So, yeah, it's, it's great to see all these options. All right. I have a call to action for you, dear listener. You've made it to the end of the show. You've listened a long time. We've been talking. We've had a great time. Think of all the things Sal has done for us. He has parked his butt outside the hallway in Cupertino to get out, to get to get SJ, as you call him, to approve Automator. He spent all this time making this stuff. This is great stuff. Please go check it out. And if, even if you're not an OmniFocus user, download the demo of the app and just try this to see the world we could live in. <laughs> because I mean, this is really transformative to me. And I I meant it when I said it earlier. I want these types of controls everywhere. Like my favorite apps should all have this stuff so I can just make it happen. And, uh, and hopefully this is the start of something big. So let's hope so. I agree. I totally agree. All right. So the website is omni-automation.com. And from there you've got hooks to voice control, but I would recommend spelunking that whole website. There is like so much good stuff there. Um, because mm-hmm. it's not just uh, OmniFocus. You've got stuff there for the other Omni apps as well. And all of this is JavaScript automation, which can be applied on any device, whichever you have for your Omni apps. Anywhere else people should go, Sal, to check this stuff out? Uh, that's uh, our one-stop shop right now is the Omni-Automation website. And as uh, <clears throat> Omni continues to develop all of their apps, we'll be incorporating these kind of voice controls into those as well. So right now it's really focused on OmniFocus because that's the app that's in major change and updating at this moment. And expect to see that with all of their products going forward. That's awesome. And uh, we are the automators. You can find us at relay.fm slash automators. You can find our forums over at talk.automators.fm. You can find the website at automators.fm. Thank you to our sponsors today, Electric, Hover, Trade Coffee, and LinkedIn Jobs. We'll see you next time.